The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now for a veteran's place. And uh, we like to think of America's Web Radio as every place is a veteran's place here at America's Web Radio. And particularly if you go to our homepage, you'll see what we're talking about. We'll be giving away a AR-15 style weapon, an AA-15 as a matter of fact. And so uh, look for details coming out very shortly. And we want a veteran, well, a veteran will win because we're only going to have veterans entering. And um, what do you think of our little contest, Don? I think it's a great idea, and I want to include, too, that the uh, police, firemen, and EMTs uh, are also considered veterans, too, because they're part of our audience. Uh, they just have to be sure and fill out the farm well and identify themselves, because uh, we have leaned it towards our veterans. But uh, we always, as a former EMT, um I have a special place in my heart for all EMTs. And as we do with all of our shows, before we really get into them and get going, we take out for a moment of silence that we can think about our veterans and think about those that are on active duty as well. So we're going to take a moment, and then we'll come back with our other thing that we always do to make sure your heart is beating well. So we'll be back in just a moment. Veterans Place on America's Web Radio, and it's time right now to make sure your heart is beating well, and I know when I was on active duty, they could always make sure my heart was beating well just by starting up a Jody. Hey, I feel all right now. Hey, I feel all right now. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do right now? And we assume that your heart is beating and that you've gotten going for the morning and uh, appreciate that, Jody, as much as we appreciate you. We appreciate all veterans. And we're glad, you know, it's very interesting. And, and I've been told that 
that some of the major networks do monitor us. And it's amazing how more veteran activity has started up since we started out and started promoting veterans. So if we're doing the veterans good, that's all that counts. And uh, we love each and every one of you. And we'd like to hear from you if you'd like to make a comment about a veteran's place or remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Uh, we're open for any suggestions. We're open for, in fact, our door is always open to veterans. So come on in, come on down, and we'd yep. love to hear from you. And we've got our favorite, a poor guy. You know, I've, I haven't ever brought this up before, but, you know, I, I, I feel sorry for our host because he, he just can't make up his mind whether to be a dentist or a doctor. So he decided to be both. And we'll take him just like he is. He is also a medic, so we know if, if he gets to the wreck first, he'll be out there unwinding band-aids, uh, stopping sucking chest wounds, and, uh, get out his, uh, paramedic stuff. So, good morning, Dr. Don Moeller. Hey, as usual, <clears throat> good morning, Dave, and, uh, I think we have a pretty different show for you today and it's uh and it and i'll tell you what started me uh down this road it's we talk a lot about ptsd but we're going to talk about all veterans and police and firemen and nurses and and today's show is going to be brought to us uh in a critical manner by hamas h-a-m-a-s uh, I pronounce it ham-ass, uh, which uh, the news people do as well, but I think it portends a little bit. And, and the reason I'm bringing it up is those people are subhuman. They're demonic, and they're from Satan. Uh, soldiers have been going up against each other in combat for a long time, and there's no code of ethics, obviously, in war, but you do respect your enemy. But Hamas, uh, the way they denigrated the bodies of the Jewish people and the hideous, I mean, it's incomprehensible what they did, uh, that, that they belong on another planet. Even an animal won't do that. And, and animals are pretty nice creatures. Uh, and that started my whole line of thinking, uh, of what's, what's happening. And Dave, and you're obviously going to join in on this because it's an EMT. You know, you cannot be a soldier or cop, fireman, nurse without an altered frame of reference. And we talked about this uh, when we first started. But I, after thinking about the Hamas, uh, Hamas people, uh, subhumans, uh, you know, the I, Israeli Defense Force they're coming across scenes of destruction and mutilation, uh, and they're 18 to 20, 25. You, you have got a problem. You've got a moral injury. You've got problems that those people are going to have, those soldiers are going to have for the rest of their life. You're not going to see that kind of horrendous carnage 
and talk to a counselor a couple times, and then you're going to be fine and and go right on with your life. And not if you're a so human. You, not if you're a human, right? And so here's where I'm going with this whole conversation. Today. We're going to talk about near death experiences, and uh, I got totally educated on this recently. Uh, they are real. They're very well documented. They're not due to hypoxia, hypercarbia, or any of this physiologic stuff. Uh, I'm going to be taking material from medical journals. We're going to talk about your, your, your belief system. Right now, with these horrible people, well, I'll just call them the H people. I'm not going to give them the H people is going to be ham ass. Okay. The H people are bordering on, they are satanic. And so it really doesn't matter any longer, uh, whether you believe in a spiritual world or not. Uh, these people prove there's a hell and that's where they, the H people came from. And I started looking at PTSD and I thought, wait a minute. What if PTSD is a partial representation of the near-death experience? Well, then the more I dug, there's a lot of things in common. And we're going to cover those. But I will guarantee you that a few kind words from a counselor who probably has never seen what our veterans and police have seen, I really begin to doubt that those people, the counselors, who are not going to get totally on board with moral injury, uh, they're going to not have a lot of use uh, in in this modern warfare against the H people. What do you think, Dave? Well, you know, as you learn in the ER or in your experiences, whether in the ER or not, but... Sort of like when you're in, well, you saw it as a, as a combat medic. You can only dead a person once. And, you know, there are rules of engagement that uh, you and I both served under. You don't shoot a person and then go mutilate his body with your M16. It's, uh, in fact, I don't know what the offense is called, but... Uh, our army won't let you do that. There's a rule against it. You can't shoot a guy and then go stab him to death again. You can't kill a person and then go skin him. We just don't allow that kind of stuff. And there's, you know, once a person's dead, they're dead. And you had a lot more experience than I have, Don, but... Wouldn't you say, in my experience, in in the emergency room, after we've brought a patient in, is that there's no finality in the world like death. Uh, the whole room, when somebody dies in your presence, no matter what it's from, a bullet wound, uh, illness, no matter what it's from, the finality is incredible. And we, since we were Western-watching kids, 
we've heard about the final breath. Well, you, there's no more reality, in my opinion, than the final breath. Would you say that's true, Don? Yeah, yeah, Dave, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. That is, so characterizes spirit-filled humanity, and I don't care where you're coming from on this issue. Uh, our listeners know where I'm coming from and you're coming from, but we'll just call it spirituality right now. You know that something, a, a boundary has been crossed, a significant, and, and, and after the deceased are, are taken care of, the tubes removed, and, and you name it, the medical interventions, unless it's a police case, uh, that body's treated with respect. That's, that's who we are. That's our morality. We have a moral framework. Uh, that we exist in, and and I have never, ever, in my life, and that's a long life now, and been in medicine since I was 19 years old, ever seen the desecration of of, of a of a, a person uh, like the H people do. I think they're the hell people. The, the hell people do. That's that's so far off the scale. It's it's it, it's you can't even imagine it and and here's where i'm going with the conversation today veterans now and if we end up in that war i mean it, whatever happens happens but you have got to have a spiritual resilience to deal with the hell people uh they're not like the germans and i mean not that they weren't atrocities i'm not saying that at all but there's a point at which the resilience that our troops are going to need, any troops, any Western culture troops, or any, you know, people from India and Pakistan, yeah, I, they're included. You know, that's we'll call it the free world, the moral world. You're going to need a, a new kind of resilience, and that's why I'm bringing it up on this show. Uh, before you go into battle against the H people, you're... You know, there is no anger like uh, finding out, uh, I know in Vietnam, that one of your buddies who was captured, the Viet Cong did that. You you cannot stop that unit, the firefight. They will they will tear you up to the last man for doing that. And, and you know, and that just lets you know, you can do that aberrant behavior, but you're going to get a different response. And. And I will make a statement right now that those eight, the hell people, you, you just uh, antagonize the wrong culture in the wrong way. It, no one cares anymore what happens or how they eliminate you any more than I, I'd feel sorrier for a cockroach that I stepped on by accident than that, than, yeah. than eliminating an agent. Don, let, let's think about that, and we'll take our uh, first break. And we'll be back on A Veteran's Place with Dr. Don Muller right after this. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. 
Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on a veteran's place with Dr. Lieutenant Colonel, I should say, Dr. Don Muller, Dennis, MD. Uh, I don't know how many other shingles he has hanging, but I, I would imagine some. But he's talking about a very interesting subject, and that was Hamas and what they did in Israel. And, you know... Well, let me ask you something somewhat provocative, Don. Do you think there will be more of this to come? And is Hamas, will they be used as an example and more of this to come? Or will this be so sickening to people that they'll say, well, our people just couldn't do this? Well, you can already answer it. Their people that refuse 50%, especially the liberal universities, who refuse to condemn what they did. You, you know, you'd think that would be the first thing out of their mouth, like, I agree with, you know, Palestinians being this, this, or this, but to, to defend that, uh, what they did, what the H people did, uh, is beyond my, beyond my comprehension. And, and that's another thing. People are going to appreciate more and what veterans go through. You know, you are sending our, our men, because obviously we got special ops people over there. You're sending our people into that hellhole. And you've got to, to re- look at what a soldier is. You know, in wars past, you know, let's say you were on the holding the line and you were just firing at targets. And then... You, you know, like the Christmas truce in World War One, which is a horrible thing. But they went out and you realized the other people, the guy you shot was human. You, you know, you didn't want to do that. You, you had basically middle class and lower middle class people killing each other at the behest of the politicians. But you did not go out and desecrate the, the body of your fallen enemy. And... And so now we are dealing with another level, and this is why I'm bringing moral injury. I'm bringing this right back home uh, to PTSD. You're going to see moral injury like you've never seen it before. And uh, the crazy thing is, is that the VA just approved a study on moral injury and PTSD. Well, I just finished reviewing a paper this morning uh, by two psychologists. They have actually... And I didn't know this. Uh, in the brain, they've done functional MRIs, PET scans. The area that deals the amygdala, which deals with injuries, a threat injury, you know, uh, to an individual, uh, you know, a death threat, let's say, that's the amygdala. The area that involves, seems to involve, moral injuries is the precuneus, 
it doesn't matter. You can look them up. The point is they're not the same area. I did not know there was a uh, neurobiologic map of of this. This is what we're saying now is not hearsay. It's the truth. You had better start making sure this is for all the branches of all our allies, that there's a special kind of resilience. And when to get a resilience of a spiritual nature is is going to require special training. And you no longer, you, you can take the position, well, you know, I just not into the spiritual dimension. Well, you will be. And, Don, and let me ask you. Make, yeah. I mean, you had seen a lot of things, and you saw a lot of things when you went as a medic to Vietnam. But I think that was the first exposure certainly for a lot of my friends, and most of my friends were infantry, and um, that meant they were in the brunt of the fighting at the very low end of it, and in many cases hand-to-hand. And that was the first time for, I can count them on my hand, that my friends saw a human being skinned. And talking about post-traumatic stress syndrome, I mean that they never thought we never we never grew up being a country boy in Lubbock, Texas. We never grew up thinking of skinning anything but what we'd kill to eat. We never thought about skinning another human being or what we would want to do after we saw it. Is that all true? Yeah, 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 and and that's this is exactly why I started months ago, and these are archived. You have a frame of reality that you grew up with, and, and I'll call it the Disneyland frame of reality. And the same feeling you get back in the day before they went woke. Disney World, Disneyland, Disney World were wonderful places, eating ice cream and going on the rides and believing this is what America's about. And I remember, and, and all of Vietnam veterans, and any veteran, you leave the United States, you get on your plane, your ship, and you arrive in a war zone. And there's no, there's nothing like a war zone, especially if you're leaving the United States. And here's the deal. You can have a traffic accident and get PTSD. There's no doubt about it. But the PTSD that you get when you come back from a war zone is more like complex PTSD. That's like a child being abused since they were like four years old until they're 20. And here's why I'm saying that. For, for a child to be abused, is a, it's, it's in a horrible home, a horrible situation, either poverty or alcohol, drugs, you name it, deviant behavior. Well, Think of that home as where a soldier goes when he gets P- he or she gets PTSD, even a fireman or policeman, EMTs. You, how many calls did you do, Dave, into the high-end uh, neighborhoods when you were an MT? Well, I guarantee you they were a lot fewer, and there probably were people having heart attacks. My point is the PTSD really starts when you're pulled out of your safe environment and you go into an environment dominated by the H people. And what does that mean? 
not only are you deprived of your support groups, which are basically your fellow soldiers, you're pulled out of a, a reality that you that you lived in. And you see, you you had to go to this special place, just like a, a complex PTSD and abused children and women. You have to go to a special place called a totally dysfunctional environment. And so that's step one. You're in a completely different environment for this to occur, to get the kind of enduring, difficult-to-treat PTSD that veterans, police, and firemen go. Because every day you have to show up in that environment. You don't live in the same environment. You're not in Disney World. And then when the veterans come back from their war zone, now remember, the war zone is like a completely dysfunctional house. Uh, a dad who's mean, a drunk, a mom, blah, blah, blah. You fill in the blanks. And you're coming back to the normal world again. You are changed. You're changed for the rest of your life. And that's the same thing, and I'm going to talk about near-death experiences, and it may take the rest of the show or another one. These are well substantiated. The naysayers, uh, usually they haven't read much or anything. Oh, well, it's due to hypoxia, or it's due to uh, uh, biochemical imbalances, or it's due to neural. It's not due to any of those, and they have sophisticated interviews and uh, other things. Well, what happens when people have the near-death experience? Well, they come back changed. They're not the same people. In fact, they make, and I and I am suggesting this now, that the near-death experience is related to PTSD, and it's also related to the clinical symptoms or sociological symptoms that are experienced after the near-death experience. They're life-changing experiences. These same people are no longer interested in making a lot of money, and I'm talking near-death experience. It's something they didn't expect. It was something that has made a profound change in their life, and they can't get it out of their mind, and they can't deny it. It's, it was, a, it was a, a spiritual encounter. And another thing about near-death experiences to the, to the naysayers uh, oh, well, you know, that's just a manifestation of your religious beliefs. Nothing could be further from the truth. It, because in children, they get very similar. Uh, it, it, they talk about very similar experiences. Uh, people in the Mideast, uh, Mideastern countries, it doesn't matter if you grew up as a Hindu or not, you're getting the same kind of experience. Uh, and, and, and there have been documented cases of uh, omams, you know, in, who were... Uh, uh, Muslims that came back believing and be, went become you know American seminaries or whatever Christian religion seminaries. These are facts that you can't escape, and they're not. We're not quoting a Barrett cases. So where I'm, what am I doing? I'm saying that your experience with PTSD is a near death experience, and it's a definitely a near death uh, moral injury experience. When you are, regardless of your spiritual status, you have now been exposed to the spiritual world, uh, whether you want to or not. And you go, well, I, you know, I'm not really a spiritual kind of person. It doesn't matter. You have a soul. And, and the same thing that makes the age people so repugnant, if you find that repugnant, you've, you've got a soul. 
you know, we're not going to get into it. <laughs> Whether you have to be a member of First Baptist Church or Presbyterian or Catholic, we're not, we're not going there on this show. But what I am saying, the repugnancy that you have, uh, for what the H people do, that's the scariest thing if you're not, uh, if it's not repugnant to you what they did. If that's not repugnant, then you, you need help. And I, and I'll tell you that free right off, right over the airwaves here. Uh, you've got problems. And, and nowadays we're going to bring up, we're going to bring it home again. The snowflakes and, and the sheep who, who are your psychological counselors, sociologists, mental health counselors, your, your psychiatrists. You know, one thing that, it really bothers me, and I've treated thousands of, of patients with PTSD, when some of these snowflakes and sheep are dismissive of a veteran's concerns, like just snap out of it. You know, you, you know, it's not as bad as you thought, or just do this, or here's some suggestions. Coming from someone who's never been in a war zone, who had to make those decisions, I, it's very irritating, and it's uh, and I've talking, I've spoken with people from full colonels all the way down to privates, and uh, and I was in that group. Started as a private, they all expressed these concerns. Where I, I really challenge a psychologist or mental health professional, you better walk in a veteran's shoes and have the attitude of walking in their shoes. We need to take a quick break, and then I've got one for you when we come back. So we'll be back in just a a moment with Dr. Don Moeller on A Veteran's Place on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on A Veteran's Place on America's Web Radio with Dr. Don Moeller. And, Don, I was just thinking about uh, I have a, a little bit of a cynical view of both psychiatrists and psychologists. The psychiatrist has at least gone to med school, and the psychologist has gone to uh, speech therapy. But in both cases, you hit something right on the head. And it's the difference of 
the person that's practicing, be it psychology or psychiatry, that has been there and done that and walked in the soldier's shoes, or the the psychiatrist or the sociologist that has read a book and looked at the pictures. There's a hell of a big difference when you hear that bullet come whizzing by your head as opposed to make-believe as you're looking at the picture in the book. Agreed? Yeah, 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 David. And it's called a therapeutic relationship. And I tell you, the fastest way to turn a patient off is to to disrupt, to rupture the hopeful therapeutic relationship from the first word. Uh, and that being the demeanor when a veteran walks into the room or a police officer, these people have borne enormous burdens for our safety, including the nurses in the ER. You know, we're, we're always mentioned that. And so a person who goes in for, for counseling finally gets up the courage to say, I think I've got PTSD or moral injury, and they go in. I mean, you're, you're looking at every motion, every head position, every facial feature on your care provider. This has been documented in numerous hundreds of studies. Humans can tell within microseconds of uh, seeing an individual, whether they're interested or they're avoiding. And, you know, when you find a, a, a psychologist, psychiatrist, who doesn't want to establish a therapeutic relationship, you're off to a bad start. And the next thing it's, that compounds that problem is if you read about mental illness, we'll call it mental illness, that when you seem to think that any part of spirituality enters mental illness, you will see a whole group, a whole section of psychologists, mental health professionals, psychiatrists that say, I'm out of here. Talk to your minister. I mean, and you can read it. I'm, but everything I'm saying on this show is not to be taken as medical advice. That's obvious. But I am basically speaking about the literature. The American Psychological Association divorces itself from interfacing with spiritual or religious decisions. Well, the H people now have, have crawled from hell onto our planet, and they're wreaking havoc in the moral domain. So... If you think you're going to go to a psychologist is just going to go, if you bring up spirituality, I'm afraid I'm just going to have to stop the conversation. Well, you're, you're at a very big loss that microsecond that you hear that because it is critical now. And that, again, that's why I'm bringing up near death experiences. They have a lot and I'll go through that probably in about 10, 15 minutes, we'll talk about similarities between near-death experiences and PTSD and moral injury. They're kind of all wrapped into one. And what does that tell you? You are dealing right now with a spiritual uh, issue. PTSD is a spiritual issue. Moral injury is a spiritual injury. And is that making sense, Dave? Oh, yeah, certainly. 
Yeah, so where, where I'm going with this now, we're going to take it to, to a little bit of a, a, a new level. We talked about the framework. Uh, and, and, you know, there's CPR. You get your CPR cards. Uh, you might run across somebody has a heart attack. Well, what if I told you that 8% of the population has uh, PTSD? 6 to 8% of the population has PTSD at any one time. Dave, 6 to 8% of the population does not have heart attacks at any one time. It's way less than that. So I have no idea why the military, armed forces, who, who know, who, who are aware that up to 25% of the soldiers have may have PTSD. Wait, why are there no debriefings when you leave the military? Not only that, there's sub-threshold PTSD. What is that? Well, you may have one component of PTSD, maybe the alert, maybe the nightmares. Okay, pick a couple. But you don't get credit for full-blown PTSD for uh, VA diagnostic reasons. But you're still going to suffer from them. So why, when you go to the transfer point and leave the military, why aren't you given a debriefing like, look, if you start to have nightmares of stuff that happened, give us a call. If you start to have this, give us a call. You might have, if you start to have a lot of anger issues or if your family seems to be, uh, relationships seem to be on edge, give us a call. Or you might have PTSD. Why isn't that done? That's, to me, and I've been discharged twice, once as an enlisted person and once as an officer. <laughs> no one ever did that. Now, maybe they're doing that right now today. I don't know. But I can guarantee you 18 to 20 million veterans out there didn't get that treatment. Dave, you know that's true, right? Oh, yeah. No question. Yeah. So what we're talking about now is the therapeutic relationship. That your counselor has to be your friend, and they cannot be judgmental. And it's up to them. If you say, look, I'm the patient, and I'm talking about moral injuries, it's up to them to just say, look, I'm not qualified to do that. And not only that, I will not refer you to uh, a minister of your faith to discuss that. I think that that's the first thing they need to tell uh, a veteran or police officer. Because, you know, the H people now have brought spirituality into this whole conversation, but what pure evil is. And so you better be counsel on the possibility of moral injuries, and you, and you need to get into some resilience. They need to be teaching our soldiers, and they may do it now, but I don't know that they've taught or, or plan on teaching the retired veterans or whatever about uh, spiritual resilience, but that needs to be in be included uh and that's where i'm going with this so i want to show you some other interesting things that's out in the literature that is not necessarily uh well known now you can know from when you have diabetes and you're counseled you go you know you have to watch your footwear because if you, if you get stuck in the foot, you won't feel the pain and it can become infected and the, and the perfusion of the, the blood flow to your feet is severely limited. You can lose a whole leg. Well, when you get that disease, 
your sociology, your transfer people, the sociologists, they're going to say, you know, you have to, we have to bring your family in. And what do you mean? Well, diabetes involves your whole family. It's not just you. Why? Well, because you're not going to eat the pies and cookies, uh, and everybody's going to have to cut back on pies and cookies, uh, because you're a member of the family. You may be the dad. And, and so they're going to have to get used to that. They're going to have to get used to other behaviors. Or if you have a stroke, you're counseled. Your family's counseled. I'm challenging the military and the VA to bring in families and say, look, your, your veteran, male, female, whatever, has, has a potential to have PTSD because of the, what he saw. And you have to understand that he is, his frame of reference has changed. Let's say we're going to talk about sleep. And this is where I, I specialize. You may have combative behaviors. They're called disturbing nocturnal behaviors or nocturnal behavior disorder. They switch up the words. My research now, we've just treated for those people and eliminated these disturbing nocturnal behaviors with the mouth device. Well, that's impressive, but it's not impressive if you don't even know what what's going on. And and when these when you the wife, your sleep partner is getting smacked, these guys are, are are not happy about it, and that's not intentional. But the women are going, "What's going on?" Well, they should have been briefed on this when they left the military. Now, I'm also going to bring up a term that I do not use because it's it's called stomatonathic system. I've called it the oral health system, and I'm sure there's some people listening thinking, well, he doesn't know there's no such thing as an oral health system. Well, yeah, I do. It's called a stomatonathic system. You know, Dave, when you say the head's part of your body, your jaws, your jaw position is determined by your head position, and that's determined... Your head position is determined by your tooth position and your eyes and trying to keep the head straight. But the point is, the somatonathic system is not your teeth with fillings or dentures if you're wearing them. That, that's only a small component of it, component. So when I'm talking about your sleep changes, when you wake up and you can't sleep and you've also got headaches in the morning, that's a high probability that you've been clenching and grinding. Why would you do that? Because you're having nightmares. Why would you have nightmares? Well, you can still have nightmares with moral injuries. How about that? So moral injuries. What did Job have? What did Job have? Did he lay on his bed? Look on Job. Chapter 7. He laid on his bed and tossed and turned with visions. What does the Bible mean when they're talking about gnashing of teeth? See, I'm bringing spiritual uh, concepts into this conversation, especially with the H people. Uh, these are spiritual warriors. These are satanic warriors. Whether you, and I don't care if you believe in Satan or not, you volunteer and go over and fight them. You get a good dose of it. You won't come back a disbeliever in the satanic world. Okay. So where am I going with this? When you're laying in bed and your sleep partner says, honey, you're swinging or screaming in your sleep. That's that's from PTSD. You what if you have subthreshold PTSD and that's the only thing you do? Well, the sad thing is, and I'm working with the VA and the Disabled American Veterans, 
I believe that you should, you have rights to medical care in the VA. I'm not talking dental. I'm talking medical, stomatonathic system care because your nightmares and sleep disruptions and poor sleep and other things are related directly to your moral injury and PTSD, and they're manifested in your jaw, stomatonathic system. Dave? Yes, sir. So did you want to comment on that? I want an infantryman's opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, everything that you say, or most everything that you say, I should qualify that to an extent. But, you know, it's the scary part about what I listen to and what I hear is that you can have it, not know it, not know it for years. And then it comes out in you in extraordinary ways. You know, you don't know how this ham-ass thing has affected some of our soldiers. There were atrocities during Vietnam, as you well know. There have been atrocities in every war. And, you know, to have this brought up like it was brought up in Israel and with... Hamas and the Palestinians, it's, we don't know what effect, what sleeping Satan's, it's going to awaken in our soldiers that have served around the world. Uh, I don't know what atrocities you saw while you were in Nam. I, I could bet money on it. You saw some things you never thought you'd see in your life as did many of my friends. And we don't know when those things are going to come out and bite you in the tail again. And Yeah, yeah Dave. There's, and that's, there's no putting an end to uh, until you're dead, until the thoughts you're having in the middle of the night. Yeah, and, and that's you. I'm glad that came through, as we say, Lima Charlie. Because that's where I'm going with this whole thing. You, as a veteran with, we'll call it subthresholds PTSD, you're accumulating these little moral injuries and we'll call them mental injuries. One ding here, one ding there, and they just keep adding up. Well, I'll tell you, and you really brought up a point, I'm glad you did. When you hit 60 years old, and you retire, 60 to 70, and you and the office isn't on your mind, your house payment on your mind, or whatever. You have nothing on your mind, and that garbage starts to leak out. That septic stuff starts to leak out. Hmm. And, yeah, and if you look at the prevalence uh, of Vietnam PTSD injuries, they can, can go up when you get older. It's like, wait a minute. I, I, you know, I've been grinding my teeth at night, so what, you know, screaming out, you know, you didn't, what, who cares, just, you know, drive on, you're a welder, you're a cop, fireman, you, come on, man, just show up for work, you, you get other things. Well, buddy, when you don't have that kind of stressful life, and when you're back in your home on the backyard, and there's nothing on your mind, the septic stuff will seep out, and you can then... 
be a candidate for PTSD. And I have treated hundreds of guys in their 60s, 70s, even 80s that still have the nightmares. And and that's critical that you understand this and your family members understand it. Uh, And so that's called sub-threshold PTSD. And, you know, the sooner they diagnose sub-threshold PTSD, and this is from the psychology literature, the chances of you getting, we'll call it fixed, there's no cure, but therapeutically helped, the sooner you treat that, the better off you'll be. Because people have to understand that PTSD is a central nervous system sensitivity disorder. And it's right in. We can talk about that, use big words to make people happier. But the point being, you have had a neurological injury. And that's why I mentioned all these little dings, these little psychological and moral injury dings keep adding up. It's kind of like they keep accumulating. And so you have to be aware, and our listeners and family members have to be aware that's that's going on. And, uh, and and again, you know, when they pulled out of Afghanistan, there were a lot of veterans that called the suicide line. Done. Why was that? Because you put your life on the line, you watched your buddies die, putting their lives on the line, and somebody just took it, went up to the board and erased your life for that twenty years. Is it had no meaning? Okay, and so that go ahead, Dave. Let's put a stop here right quick and take our final break, and uh, we'll be back with Dr. Don, and I want to ask him about one other thing that seems to be coming our way, uh, courtesy of our buddies in China. We'll be back right after this with more of Veterans Place on America's Web Radio. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. If you love classic cars, you're going to want to listen to The Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello on America's Web Radio. Live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern at americaswebradio.com or on demand on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, and we're back on America's Web Radio in a veteran's place. And, uh, Don, I'm going to take you off the subject of veterans, and I don't know whether you've heard about this or... Or what, I don't know the complete story. I, I contacted some of our doctors that do shows for us, and um, we don't seem, to, <laughs> amazingly, we don't seem to have the whole scoop on what's going on. But there seems to be the potential of a new pandemic coming from our buddies in China. And it's uh, it's called the white virus, I believe. 
Can you, do you have any clarification on that at all? Well, Dave, I'm going to uh, tell you I don't know a thing about it, and, and I'll tell you why. You know, you, you, you meet somebody that knows everything about everything. He knows nothing about anything. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and I'm, I, I cannot speak to that issue, and I'm not, uh, I have no idea, and I have no expertise in that at all. So, uh, what is your thinking if another pandemic starts up, like COVID, what's that going to do to our countrymen? Well, let's, you know, we learn a lot of stories as kids. And remember the little boy that cried wolf? Yeah. Cried wolf? You know, that's what's going to happen. And then we also learn about little little red chicken and the sky is falling. The sky is falling. Okay, take those two stories. When they parsed out uh, who died from yeah. COVID, you know, those people, they looked at the sub, subgroup. It was not 21-year-olds. It was not 30-year-olds. It was medically compromised older people were the highest portion of those involved. They, yes, uh, they vaccinated. Huh? The, the bad thing about this, supposedly, is it's quite infectious among young people. So. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Infection is not equal to morbidity and mortality. True. You know, there, you know, you can get, uh, uh, like RSV virus in children. I mean, that's devastating and it comes in the winter. Uh, but they're tiny little kids. They have airway problems if they get infected and swollen and blah, blah, blah. So because it's highly infective has no bearing on the situation, whether it's, produces mortality and morbidity and 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 so what i'm saying is when they run up the big red flag that the sky is falling most of the people are going to blow it off and go we don't care anymore you know like the the education people closed the schools well they had plenty of schools i think catholic schools it stayed open they did fine private schools those kids went right on got some sniffles and did fine, and they didn't miss a school year. I've talked to educators who were my patients that said that two years was completely devastating uh, to our educational system, uh, just pulling kids out, pulling them away from their friends. So I think this time, I mean, you asked me what I think. I think it's if it's not a you know immediate like Ebola virus, which is totally different. I think that most Americans aren't going to tolerate uh, this nonsense and controlled by people like Fauci with minimal evidence uh, and, and mandating. And a matter of fact, uh, you, you can almost guess that the Congress isn't, they don't have, they don't have the wherewithal or unity to impose another lockdown like that. So in a, in a nutshell, if it's not like Ebola, uh, I, I think it, they're just going to, most people are going to blow it off. And, my final comment, we all know about masking, keeping your distance, waiting back further in line. So with this society has already been trained uh, compared to our U.S. society 10 years ago. Trained to make occasional visits to the store. You know what I'm talking about, Dave. We've already know how to, how to do a mini lockdown and, and improve our odds. Well, as always, we hope nothing happens. And... Uh that we're prepared and can handle any situation to the best of all of our abilities. Anyway, um, 
you have we've been listening to uh, Dr. Don Moeller on a veteran's place and um We've got a few minutes left, Don, so do you well, want to wrap yeah, it up I'd like for to, the week? Yeah, I'll tell you where we're going next week. I didn't mean to interrupt, Dave. No. Basically, this has been an introduction to the spiritual side. Well, now I'm going to take next week, we're going to talk about near-death experiences and the PTSD. It's a spiritual problem, and you can overcome, and I think probably 90% of the overcoming can be obtained from a spiritual dimension. Look at the people that had the near-death experience. They lived a different life. They came back. They weren't the same. And they turned it around to be positive. And, I, and I've and i done that, too, in my life. I said, you know, I'm, my anger therapy is, is writing the VA letters. I write like four a week to somebody in the VA or a congressman. You know, our friends gave our lives for our freedom. And, and, and the, one of the most powerful things is your squad. And you're going, I don't, you know, going out to get a guy under fire, nobody wants to do it, but, buddy, your squad member's going to do it because you're the most important person to your buddy, and you'll do it for him. And so for the guys with PTSD, you can turn this around, guys and gals. You can turn this around. You can say, you know what? I'm going to turn this into something positive. I'm going to I'm going to reorientate my life. I'm going to get going because it's, a, it's got a spiritual dimension and that started off with the people the age people. War has now entered a spiritual dimension. You're when you're fighting these, you have to get spiritually resilient. And and you can go online and look up resilience. You can go up online and 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 look read about moral injury. So what I'm trying to tell folks, next week we're going to talk about the strength, the spiritual strength that you have inherent, the same as people with uh, near-death experience, to change your life. And from then on, it's not a scary experience. You've been changed down to your core, and your framework's been changing. You can turn around. It's not all negative. And, you know, I, and I'm, I've got PTSD. So when I tell the listeners, yeah, I didn't say it was easy, but I said you can use it to motivate I'm not giving you a trite advice from some clinician that never even wore a Boy Scout uniform. And, and, and you can trust other veterans in your support group. And so next week we're going to be talking about that as well. And want to invite everybody to go to our homepage, take a look at the weapon that we're going to be giving away. It's a AR-15 style weapon. And... Uh, We've got details coming out very shortly that uh, if you're a veteran, you'll need to fill in a form, tell us about yourself, and uh, it's going to be fun, and we wanted to do something special for our veterans, and we think we've come up with it, and so we invite you to come to our website, and it looks like we're about out of time, and... Uh, we want to wrap it up for the week, and Don, as always, you shed new light on a problem that affects so many folks that have served us so well for so many years, and we salute all of our veterans, we salute our active duty folks, and those that keep us going day in and day out our first responders that, you know, I can't imagine a feeling of not 
having reliance and knowing that you can call 911 or the fire department or whatever your need, your situation may be. So with that being said, Don, thank you for another great show, and we will be in touch on a veteran's place next week. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.